Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Table Talk, the show after the show. I'm your host, Swanee. And JR. Alright, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to do an interview for players and DMs. I'm going to be asking questions to JR. JR will be asking questions to me. So, how did you get started into D&D? Well, to start with, I thought it was like the ultimate nerd game and I didn't want to start. And my wife convinced me to start playing. And from there, I haven't been able to stop playing and I keep collecting the lore books. Oh, so you said your wife got you into the game. So does she actively play or? You know you obviously play. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know, for those who don't know, JR and I are married. So there's that. Uh, How long have you been playing? Mm, I don't know. When, When I think I started playing around the time that I got hurt at work. So it was fall of 2000. I don't know, 17, 18? Um, I think it was around fall of 2016. Oh, wow. It's longer than. God, I'm, I'm getting older. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, was it? I've been playing on and off since I was 12 nerd (laughs) (laughs) I took a uh, decently long break because I moved and the people that I knew didn't play at the time and then I just recently got back into it about the same time and now everyone we know basically is yeah now everybody plays it's Um, kind of sad it it is it's like it wasn't so popular back then and now it is I mean even the people that I would never have thought would have played like you know Rico Suave you know, Michael, yeah. basically. <laughs> I thought he would never play, and now he's literally playing in one of your campaigns. Yeah, I know. Um, all right, so have you ever DM'd a game? Yes. Was it a one-shot or a campaign? Uh, semi-campaign? It wasn't... I think, when I think campaign, I'm like, oh, you're going to be playing for a year. And I think it lasted, what, like four months? Four to six months, roughly. I mean, I I guess you could count that as a campaign. It was supposed to be like episode one, and we were supposed to get an episode two, and then I started college and lost all willpower to keep DMing. So sad. No, it's understandable. I mean, I started one, and then I got pregnant, so I had to stop it because of that. But now I'm DMing again. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What is... Your go-to race or class as a player? I think Tabaxi. I hate to say that. (laughs) Because it's like... Yeah, I'm going to have to say Tabaxi. And then my go-to class has to be... I have a habit of picking Monk. I know. I, I, and I, and it sucks because if you put Tabaxi and Monk together, you just literally made a speed demon. But I never really use them that way. You do not. But um, yeah, I I would say Tabaxi has to be my favorite race, and then Monk is my favorite class just because of all the different abilities. And then 
you can build it how you want um, from there. Mm -hmm. But it gives you a good base to start from. Yeah, my favorite class would be Wizard. Oh, don't I know it? Yeah. Um, and my favorite race? I don't really have one, honestly. I like the aesthetic of half-orcs, but I've never actually played a half-orc before. Like, I would love to be, I cast Punch. I cast Punch. <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> um, yeah, so going away from the player what is your favorite monster i mean as a dm and as a player it's the same i love the idea of the displacer beast i just have always liked it because especially if as a dm you modify it and you give it things like invisibility and stuff like that it, like I would highly advise obviously not giving greater invisibility to it because then it just becomes a nightmare but just having invisibility and having this thing like stalk through the forest and the entire time like even if you have a high perception character they might know there's something there but they don't know where it's at mm -hmm. and I love that suspense it builds compared to you know a dragon if a dragon pops up it's a dragon I mean sure. there was that one campaign with you where you had that lady who everyone thought was crazy was an ancient silver dragon. Yeah. And we're all sitting here like, oh, look at the crazy lady. And then we come to find out later, number one, our paladin decided that he was going to... Kill her baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and steal its soul. Oh, no. <laughs> I, was, I was really excited to see how that was going to turn out. And we never got to see that to completion. Yeah. But uh, I... I think that was the one time that I've been surprised that, oh my god, that's a dragon. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, if a dragon pops up in a game, it's like, here's a dragon. Mm -hmm. so. um, my favorite monster... Mm, I like gelatinous cubes. Really? I love them. That I, is I, the I weirdest... Just, I know. I just love the fact that they're, that they're pretty much invisible. Or, okay. Well, I love I love that they're invisible. And you like the door prank. I do. I, I love it. Because, you know, you, you'll have those players that are like, oh, I'm going to sneaky sneak and I'm going to check to make sure there's no traps. And it's like, there's no traps. You open the door. Is there anything? No. And then you walk in and you just get absorbed by this ooze. And that's, exa <laughs> and that's exactly why. I always have a 10 foot pole in your dungeon because I'm not, I'm not chancing walking into that thing. Cause I, I, I know between that and all of the freaking traps I've run into that if I don't have something, I'll die before I even ever get to a fight. It's, it's always going to be death by trap. Um, but no, the second one, and this is from your campaign, the gibbering mouther. Uh, that blew my mind just because I, I had never seen that creature before. And it makes it makes the people around it basically it go crazy. It makes them go crazy. And it's like, at that point, you're kind of... You have to fight your own self. To even get to, to fight. To get to, to fight this creature. And I love that about it. You know, another monster that I've seen that I, that I really like recently was the one that the, the kid, the Make-A-Wish um, Foundation kid made. Um... The Ublex or U Ublek? You don't know what I'm talking about? Mm -mm. Okay, so 
it's a intelligent ooze mm-hmm. that can take the form of other people. And the only way you can tell what it is, is there's a little strand. It could be anywhere, coming from anywhere on its body. There's a little strand that connects it to the main part of the body. Oh. And there's... I have a couple ideas for how I want to put this in a campaign, but I was thinking it would be awesome to come across a village and you like, you're doing things in the village, you're helping these people out and come to find out at the end of the day, it's like an oobleck, which are supposed to be evil, literally came in and absorbed all of these people mm-hmm. and then over time maybe changed. Mm-hmm. So now you have like this, uh, literally one entity that has all of these minds inside of it because that's actually another thing it is like um it absorbs the personalities and thoughts of stuff of all the people that it absorbs and then as it matures it splits off based on those personalities Hmm. so it kind of makes me think of the uh the doppelganger that i had you guys go against i was at last friday i think it was or the day the, the friday before that two sessions ago Jackman Hugh? Yes, Jackman Hugh. No. <laughs> well, because was... Aaron went against it and it it was insane. That was the whole point. This doppelganger had taken over the forms of so many people and his mind had pretty much been shot because it had absorbed so many people that he didn't know that he who didn't he know was he didn't know who he was anymore and so at the end he literally went insane though then again we really thought he was crazy talking to the mirror just to find out the mirror was a communication device true so i i, I like <laughs> when you were going through that and i know that i'm out there being fickle and being stupid and um you know pretend to be an owl and all this stuff and because you know uh for the people that are listening to this I have a character who's basically a 15-year-old girl who's a druid who is also a changeling. And she was raised in the Feywild, so she has absolutely no clue how the real world works. And she's been basically thrown into the world of humans and has no idea how to deal with them. Um, but, yeah, I'm I, sitting up there and hearing, you know, the noise is going on inside. I had no clue. And then when I come in, he's like, it's a, you know, it was a uh, doppelganger. And he's explained that it was like a monster. And it was like, and then, you know, she's going through the whole thought process of, wait, I'm a monster? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I like, I like the doppelganger. I think there's been another scenario where you threw one against us. That, oh my God, no, that That was was a long time ago. ago. I think it was a one shot. Yeah, it was, it was because I was running Jodari and he was running a cleric of some kind. The guy who pressed the digitation. He was playing, yeah. Yeah. I forgot what his name was, but he pressed the digitation to everything. Germs, pressed the digitation. I I love the fact he played a a germaphobe. (laughs) That was freaking awesome. A germaphobe going on an adventure. That is that's awesome. Well, because of what you guys were looking for the tomes, right? Yes. Yeah. But yeah, you guys went into a hole because a child, I think it was, fell in the hole. But it was a trap. It was a trap and it was a doppelganger buried in there. It was freaking... That was funny. We should have just 
buried them in there. <laughs> that was funny. I'm not going to lie. Because I think I had mold earth. I should have just mold earth and just left. Because <laughs> then none of it, nobody would have ever had to deal with them. It's just like, oh, a missing child. Because child. I, think he, I think he actually did almost kill Because we, were, we weren't he very high. He actually did, yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we should have just left him down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but <laughs> luckily our insight checks were definitely not high enough that day. That, that sucked. I think that's what it was. It was the insight checks. We failed. Mm-hmm. And so we really believed that it was a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the one thing. That's the one thing. Whenever you're a DM, I, that's, that's the thing I hate is when you play that game where you're like, oh, yeah, you believe he's a kid. Oh, he's definitely a kid. Mm-hmm. It's, and, it's all about wordplay. That's what it yeah. is. It's how you word every scenario to make the player suspicious of you, but also suspicious of their suspicion. Yeah. You mean like us right now in that dungeon crawl? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's moments where I'm like, okay, I've found all the traps. There's no way there's another one. You know, I'm, I'm just being paranoid. And then literally 10 steps later, I get almost cut in half by that dang swing arm thing. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. that was because you guys had this tendency to just run down the hallways. Yeah, because we, 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 I, I, are... I, I do the thing. I'll be like, hey, I'd like to roll an investigation, look for traps. And you're like, I roll like a 27, something ridiculous. And yeah. then you still go, oh, yeah, you don't see any traps. And I should know by now that it's you going in front of you or... Not, not where you're looking at this exact moment. Well, okay. My reasoning behind this is if you're in a hallway that is 80 feet long, you're not going to see the trap at the end of the hallway. No matter how high your roll is, you are not going to see this unless you have something that like always... goggles or something that allows you to see within the walls or you have a wand of secrets or a wand of traps or something. You will not find any trap at the end of the hallway. But here, here's the thing. It was only 40 feet long. And when I envision 40 feet long, I envision m- me standing, you know, 40 feet away from something. Mm-hmm. And I have really good vision. I can see something 40 feet away from me. Mm-hmm. And when I'm visualizing a 27, I'm visualizing somebody who's literally took the time and went over every inch of the wall where, from where he could see and couldn't see it. <sighs> But we, I also have to set the DC high. Because, because it's so far away. Well, one is far away. And, and two, also, yeah. you guys are rolling ridiculously well. Yeah, that is that is true. Like, I don't think Michael has ever had a session where he's rolled under a 15. Yeah, I don't... Roll 20, that, that, that's something about their, your, you know, their random number generator. It sometimes feels not very random. It's either you're getting highs or you're getting lows. That's true. Like we can actually when, calculate like, okay, well you've had two highs, you're going to get a low and your next roll is always a low. Yeah. Like we can almost always calculate it at this yeah, point. Yeah. And, and, and 50% of the, no, more than 50%, more than of, the 50% time, of the time will we'll be right. Mm-hmm. And it's because all the roles have added up to that. And I wish they would correct that. I, I, I wish there was some way to fix that, but I don't know. I, it also might just be, what is it? Um, it's not causation. Correlation. It's correlation. I think. I think it's. I think it might just be correlation on our part. But I mean, it feels so. Con- it feels so constant that it. That it can't be. True. But. Yeah. So next question: Do you have any apps that you use to play or build your characters with? 
Um, I like the D&D 5e app that they have on the Play Store. A fifth edition character sheet? Yeah. Um, I do like that. I actually paid for it. Um, and recently I've been using the 5etools.com because it has basically everything and you can sort it and organize it um, specifically for spells and then if you know we get a certain amount of money to um, buy equipment I like to buy equipment um, especially the Unbreakable Arrows because that's my my biggest pet peeve as an archer is that you know you only regain 50% of the arrows that you shoot which mm -hmm. I mean it makes sense it makes sense because I mean Whenever I was doing the um, archery, uh, you know how many of those I broke. Oh, yeah. So. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Let's see. So. Do you have any pet peeves that other players or dungeon masters do? Pet peeves. You know, my biggest pet peeve is when players, it, there's two, players will try to control what your character's doing or do an action and they want to force you to have to act a certain way. So... A good example was the game last night, mm -hmm. and Michael decided to leap down the hole. Leap down the hole, and on the way down, he wanted to grab me. Mm -hmm. And I understand that that's just what he wanted to do, but at the same time, where he's like, "Oh no, I'm going to grab you on the way down," I'm like, uh, "No, you're not," because. <laughs> Knowing the character I'm playing, he's not gonna he's not gonna deal with that. Like, there's no way he's not gonna be watching above mm -hmm. him. But he was trying to make it seem like, oh, he's just gonna grab me on the way down. Um. Another problem is, yeah, is when some players try to say what your character is going to do. Mm -hmm. That that annoys me too, like really bad. As for DMs. I, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes find it annoying when, uh, like our first DM, um, he let people get away with murder sometimes. I mean, like literally. But he let people get away with... PVP when it was unwarranted. Yeah, PVP when it was unwarranted and stuff like that. And I mean, I got a great story out of it. I mean, it's probably one of my favorite things that I've ever done in d Were we all office-based him? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, and I'm, I'm also talking about the guy who was like, he, he wanted to be a bounty hunter. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I'm collecting your bounty. And... Oh, and you thunderstepped him. And I thunderstepped him because I was like, hey, you know, he said he was going to go with me. Mm-hmm. And technically, that means he's a willing creature. So I thunderstepped him off the ship. And we're a mile up, and obviously he can't fly, but I can. And so I let him go and drop him, you know, because I'm just like, I'm not dealing with this character because that's the character I was playing. 
and the DM decided to save his character. And I understand, like, he probably didn't want to run this guy's experience or something. I don't know if it was his first experience or what. No, he said he'd been playing yeah, for a while. Yeah, he said he'd been playing for a while. But I think that DMs have a tendency to try to save players from their actions. Mm-hmm. And I, that annoys me. I, I, I think, even though it's a game... I mean, it's just like if you're playing Skyrim or something. If you make a stupid decision, it's going to cost you. Mm -hmm. And the fact that DMs have a habit of, oh, uh, I'm going to save them this way. I, I, I think that's putting the kid gloves on too much. Unless you're literally dealing with children and you're trying to play some sort of like fairy tale game where, you know, no one dies and everything's always happy and good. I mean... That's different. But if you're playing with people who are supposed to be adults, you shouldn't constantly save them from the you know the outcome of their bad decision making. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Let's see. Something that I really, really just can't stand that players do. Um, and this is actually going back to last night. Was the same situation with you and Michael where Michael said that he wanted to drag your character down with him as he fell down this hole and you in immediate response said you can't do that you're not allowed to and it was like you can't tell no, a character I said he wouldn't be able to but there's a possibility that he could I mean, and then yeah. you started pretty much backseat DMing and was pretty much telling him okay well you need to roll this and this and this to be able to do this yeah and then you started rolling without me telling you to roll and I'm the DM that's true and I got mad and I was like well I don't care what you say because I'm the dungeon master and what I say goes like obviously I'm not going to you know screw everybody's character over and take control but at that point you have to consider in a book, the character might see somebody charging at him. And it's it's in his mind. He can't just hold his hand up and go, no, you're not allowed to do that. Stop. And the guy's going to stop. Well, the thing was, is he's saying he's going to grab me. And I was like, number one, he has to be on the right side, which he doesn't know where I am down there. Because originally when we were, you were explaining this thing, I visualized or I visualized a rock climbing wall. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, okay, well, I have to take a path down, and they can't see that far down. Because mm-hmm. you said I was 120 feet down? Yeah, 120. There's no way he can see that far in this pitch dark hole that I'm in. Mm-hmm. And so I'm visualizing I crawl, uh, climb down there. So he's got to figure out where I am on mm-hmm. the wall, number one. And number two, he would have to make some sort of athletics or something just to grab you as he flew by at 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And that's why... You know, I did backseat game, and now that I now that you brought up, I'm I'm seeing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was backseat DMing like pretty hard, but it, it it frustrated me because it was like it's a constant thing, and I think Michael does it because he's comfortable with me and he knows me, mm-hmm. and so he will constantly try to do things to my character, mm-hmm. or he like stops my character from doing other things mm-hmm. when he's supposed to be this you know 
was it lawful good or lawful neutral paladin uh he says it i think he says lawful good but i'm not sure about that i sometimes think he's i think he's like chaotic good honestly yeah yeah he's a, he's he's something like he follows the order but kind of like his own path yeah his own version he's the punisher basically pretty much everyone else is the police officers in the order and he was like i'm gonna you know <laughs> pursue good in my own way yeah he's batman yeah he's already batman but Batman won't kill people, and obviously, yeah, Mufasa will kill the hell out of anybody. True. But yeah, that I don't know. That, that was just like my main thing, like when players just kind of start backseat DMing and just kind of say, well, you can't do this. And it's like, you can't tell other players what they can or can't do. He can attempt what he wants. It's up to the roles and yeah. the DM to decide what actually happens. Obviously, he failed which means that he didn't get a good enough position to grab your character. But had not, he done it... I'm not going to lie. If he had done that, I think that would have been the last draw with Jodari. Like, I think he would have been like, you know what, forget this guy. Next opportunity I have, he's dying. And because Jodari is a very... He's normally chaotic good, but he has tendencies towards chaotic neutral. Mm-hmm. So... I swear he's chaotic neutral and he has tendencies towards chaotic evil. Because <laughs> grabbing your friend when you basically have decided, I don't know if it's suicide or not, I'm going to jump off this cliff. Mm-hmm. That's chaotic evil. That's like, I'm not going to die alone. That's that's screwed up as heck. That's true. Oh. Um, but no, something that bothers me that DMs do, and I don't really have, I say, a lot of experience with other DMs because I'm... The forever DM. I'm, I'm a forever DM, which I'm okay with. I actually enjoy it. But I think the thing about that is the DMs who are very lenient with situations. Back to like what I was talking about. And they're just like, okay, you know, well, I don't really want to deal with this situation. So go right ahead. And, you know, or the DMs who are lenient because either A, they're friends with the people, like the person that's in the group. Or they're dating the person and that's, they don't want to cause problems. That is seriously the worst because they, they they will let them get away with almost anything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel he, bad. Well, I consider. feel bad for the DM in those scenarios too because if they do punish a player and the player's, you know, a manipulative person, they use that against them. Oh yeah, but no, you also you you have to think though. Not all of them are like that because you and I we're married, and You're I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm ruthless. I'm like, I'm going to treat you like I would treat any other play, no, any other no. player. When I envision, I envision it like Michael is treated by his dad at work because he, you know, he works for his dad mm-hmm. and his dad like sets the bar with Michael. <laughs> so Michael True. always gets the short end of the stick. And I kind of visualize that's how I get treated sometimes because it's like, number one, you know me. Mm-hmm. And you know the character I'm running, mm-hmm. like you know the backstory of him and stuff, and so you literally will use that against me. Well, that's the point. I know all of the players. I know all of you. I've I went to school with Ryan. Aaron and Michael are your best friends. I've known all of you for what, at minimum, ten years. Yeah, yeah. So. 
I've DM for you guys constantly. I know how you all play. No matter the character, you all have specific things that you do. And I use this against you. It's a purposeful thing because I know, okay, well, he's going to be this, you know, trap seeking person. I'm going to make traps difficult to find. Mm -hmm. This guy likes to plow through enemies. I'm going to make enemies that are way too hard for him to hit. Not impossible, but they're going to be hard because you like traps. So I'm going to leave that for you. Aaron likes, you know, because he's playing an artificer, he likes, you know, to find doors to unlock. Or tinkering. You know, or, or new tinkering. tools and inventions. And Michael is a power gamer. I mean, that is also kind of my fault, though, this time. True, but even then, like, when he when he made his first character, the very first paladin that he made. Very powerful. He made it very powerful, for one, but also he just made it... He, he Well, he never played, you know, the role play part of it. It was like he was playing Diablo. True. He he literally he, he, is a power gamer. He's a he's a power gamer. And, and that's one thing. He he does not like RP, but the times that he has... Like, the time he tried in your one-shot... Yeah. He did really well. He actually did very well. But I don't think it's an aspect of the game that's for him. He, he is one of those people. He's a war gamer. Mm-hmm. He wants to have the best stats and plow through as many enemies as he can mm-hmm. before the end of a session. That's like when, uh, like this last session, he was getting frustrated because we hadn't made any progress because we're trying to figure out how we're supposed to get down this thing. Mm-hmm. And w- once he realized that, you know, there's no enemies to fight and we haven't found another way down, he literally could have just committed suicide just then. He literally jumped off of a fall that he knew was at least 120 feet mm-hmm. or more into a place where magic stops working. Mm-hmm. If that's not suicidal, I don't know what is. Like, because at it, the end well, of the day, you, you also said, have to consider. You, at the end of the day, you said we almost we felt over a mile. You guys did fall over a mile, but you guys weren't doing anything, and I had to give him a DM hint. Oh, okay. And I literally just sent him a message and I said, go down the hole. Oh, you said go down the hole. That's all I, I thought, said. I legit thought that he was just sitting there going, I'm bored. There's nothing to kill. I'm going to kill myself. No, I, <laughs> like, I told there's him. There's no other enemies. I'm <laughs> I done. know. It's okay. I told him to go down the hole because you guys were heading back upstairs. And I'm like, you guys know there's literally no way to get back downstairs. I was really hoping that on the floor above we missed something super vital or there was a another note that would have given us a hint. Mm-hmm. Jodari as a character there is no way he would make a decision that borders on suicide. Like That's true. Number one you gotta think he's searching for his mother and he's searching for you know, wisdom and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, from stories. And he hasn't basically fulfilled well, he, he, he his... He has his, He has a, a, a taste for life. Yeah, he has a taste for life. And he hasn't fulfilled... His destiny. It, I mean, yeah, his destiny. But he hasn't f- fulfilled... <laughs> he, he not His number one thing is he wants to find out what happened to his only family member he knows of. Mm-hmm. 
and he's not going to throw away his life on a whim. Mm -hmm. So even when he did jump, because remember we, I went I went down the broom flying, yeah, and you had it fail. Mm -hmm. Even when he did jump, the entire way down, he's thinking, okay, everyone else jumped. It must be because they know some way, somehow, that they're going to survive at the bottom. And yet still, the whole way down, he's going, where's the broom? Where's the broom? And he's calling for it the entire time. Because he's thinking, even if there's a small chance they're wrong, maybe I get lucky and the broom saves me. Mm -hmm. And in the end, the broom did save him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, heck, you guys, <laughs> you had them fall in water that's basically, uh, what are they, quippers or some piranha? Yeah, quippers. Yeah, that you had them fall in water that was full of those things. So, technically, I mean, I would have gotten away scot-free if they would have been eaten alive. I mean, if they all died, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would have felt really bad, but it's what it is. That, that is true. Um, all right, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a couple minutes. All right, and uh, welcome back. So we are going to continue our questions and let's see. JR, do you have any rituals that you do before you play a game? An example, lucky dice, specific dice for characters, Lucky socks, lucky underwear, praying. The lucky underwear was taking it too far. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine someone be like, I have lucky underwear for every D&D night. That's just, that that would be like crazy. I mean, there might be someone out there that's got something like that, but okay. Um, I, I can't really think of anything. I mean, obviously with, you know, me having social anxiety and stuff like that, I have to like mentally prepare myself mm -hmm. to, you know, go to these meetings with these people for the first time. But after the first couple times, I know these people and everything seems fine. Yeah. And so I don't have that issue anymore. But I, I can't think of anything that would, I would say is a ritual. I do when I start, right before I start a game, I have a habit of rolling like whatever dice I have mm -hmm. and I'll pick out like the top rollers mm -hmm. and then I'll roll them again and then I pick out the top roller and then I'll take whatever that one is and use it but at the same time I don't do it every time I just do it sometimes but it's more of a almost a habit than a, a ritual. Mm. Yeah, I don't I don't really have any rituals. I don't I just kinda just go into the game. I have horrible luck anyway, so it doesn't matter. That is true. Like Um, yeah, so due to the current pandemic. Oh no. How do you feel about not being able to play in person? Mm, I don't mind being on roll twenty. I miss rolling dice. Like, I actually enjoy the rolling of the dice. Um, die? Dice? Deces? I know it's got to be dice or die. I just felt like <laughs> saying the last part. Um, but no, I, 
I would say I, I miss that. The plus is that it's kind of hard to cancel a game when you really don't have an excuse to miss it. Yeah. So that's that's the plus that I've seen. Like <laughs> online games, there's a lot. It's a lot less likely that people start canceling because mm-hmm. a lot of it is people just don't feel like driving, or some people are anxious about the next fight or something like that, mm-hmm. and they don't want to show up because they're like, if I show up, we all die anyway. So <laughs> you know, they don't want to show up. Um, but I did enjoy getting out of the house and you know meeting up with you know. Some of them became friends. Like I would say Jacob, to me, seemed more of a friend than just an acquaintance. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to go out and see this person once a week, you know, see how they're doing, talk to them. And also being in person, you get, you seem to get more than being online. Because, mm-hmm. number one, you can get more of people's actual... Reactions. Reactions to things. And, I mean... Though I suffer, though I'm very, you know, empathetic, mm-hmm. and I suffer from failing to read people. So over time, being able to finally figure out like the tales of the d- the DM, I know it's messed up, but figure out the tales of the DM <laughs> yeah. for when you should or should not do something. It was it was nice. It was, that that kind of saves your butt from time to time. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, those are the things I would say I, I miss the most. Um, let's see. I've been pushing for everybody to play on Roll20 for a long time. And I understand the appeal of playing in person because I enjoy it. But you also have to consider we host it at our house every Monday. So there was that, for me, the anxiety of people coming to my house and me having to, like, rush and clean everything. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm like, and then we, we had... need the clean. And then, you Who know... was it? Was it Ryan? He's allergic to cats? Yeah. And then, you know, Ryan's allergic to cats. So, so they have to leave them upstairs with... and, like, sanitize the downstairs yeah. once a week. And it was, yeah, I mean, it was you know, he's, he's okay with it. Like, he didn't mind later on when we brought the cats down. But, you know, it was just... It was like the anxiety was, of having to clean and then people showing up and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just don't like people coming to my house. That That's my thing. Oh, my God. I don't like, I like going to neutral places. I don't like, pe- I don't like going to people's houses so and you, I don't so like coming you, to my so house. So you really, I, and that's the other thing, I really liked going to the game shop. I love the game shop. On the downside, I did not like going to the game shop because we always spent money every time we went there. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can say you don't know what you're talking about, but there's a reason that that bookshelf has so has so many books on it and so many D and D figures and stuff. Like, there's, yeah, yeah. I, I sometimes <laughs> we think, we probably need to get like a custom made shelf yeah. just for the miniatures. <laughs> I think I think we need to if if we start going back there again, we need to come up with some sort of solution to keep us from buying, like leave our wallets at home or that's something. That's true. We literally only bring 20 bucks in cash for snacks and that's yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, it was so bad. Um, Let's see. So what type of game setting do you prefer to play in? Do you like horror settings? Do you like adventures with very little horror? Um, Do you like... Or have you ever considered or have you played in a seafaring adventure or space? Okay. 
I know Little Miss Pirate over here is dying to do a seafaring adventure. I am. I, I know it. <laughs> I mean, I'm wondering how many of the uh, charges of Roll20 have been for seafaring map stuff. Funny enough, only one. Only one. I have not purchased. I purchased the, the sea map, the, the ship, mm -hmm. and that was it. When, when, whenever we were on that ship and, you know, going along, I was like, I have a feeling this segment, like, because when, whenever we ended up at the other island mm -hmm. so quick, that blew my mind. Yeah. Because I was like, it's going to take everything in her. To, to not to not keep us on this boat. I know I doing did. things. <laughs> <It> did. <laughs> and you didn't do it. And I was like, I'm I'm really proud of her right now because I was one hundred percent the entire time expecting the ship goes out to sea and you know Two or three days later. Two or three days later You're still being attacked by pirates. <laughs> yeah, and, and he has and, and the captain has no idea where he's at and the stars don't align or some crazy mm -hmm. stuff. I was expecting something like that, honestly. And especially, you know, with the wizard college that we're dealing with, like, you know, with them having all this powerful magic and being able to control all this different stuff. If you had teleported the boat, I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. The fact that we made it to this desert island, like, literally within a session, mm -hmm. it was both a relief and a letdown at the same time. A relief because I'm just glad that we didn't have to go on some gigantic adventure with pirates and everything. <laughs> But also let down because we didn't have to go to a gigantic adventure with pirates and stuff. Because I was really <laughs> like, I know, I know her. She's doing this. Um, but for I kind of like I kind of it goes back and forth. I do like adventures. I do like you know dungeon crawls and you know being the adventure band that's going around you know saving the day and all that. But you have the ability to do the horror setting so well, like setting up suspense and literally setting up dread for what's the next encounter going to be. Because like we have that, the, you know, the Halloween thing that you, it's, it's late, it's a late episode, but yeah. you, you're going to have a late Halloween thing coming up. And I'm really excited for it because I'm sitting here thinking we're in this dark cave. And there's some sort of black dragon out here. I was like, this thing is not going to be the regular, I pop up and I kill you dragon. This thing's going to be like, there's this presence and we know it's there, but where is it? And mm -hmm. I, I know it's going to be something like that. <laughs> and I'm excited for it because I play Jodari as someone who's very analytical, practical, and a bit of a scaredy cat whenever it comes, because he's literally a cat, but he's a bit of a scaredy cat when it comes to things that, you know, put his life in danger. And I can't wait for him to be like the hair standing on the back of his neck because he knows something there mm -hmm. and he can't see it. I can't wait for just getting to play that. Um, as a, that's as a player, we're mm -hmm. going back and forth. As a DM, I prefer running adventures and having occasional, like, suspenseful scenarios. Mm -hmm. Like, whenever you guys were in that, um, the underground underneath that city, mm -hmm. and 
I had you going through like the old sewers and they were this huge interconnected maze and you guys were going along and everything seemed pretty good and also like doing some things that like I know you get upset but that are like tear-jerking moments and you're very emotional as a DM I'm like, very good at pit pulling you, on people's heartstrings you, well that's the thing your your play style is you like to do a lot of high combat but emotional situations like moral decisions I like moral decisions and I, for the first time in your campaign, was playing a lawful good paladin. And so you had to make moral decisions. And I had to make moral decisions. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not me. I am a chaotic, evil, chaotic, neutral character. I just saw you looking back <laughs> and your eyes got glassy. And I was like, you're remembering that little girl. And, no, I and that's what are. I'm saying. It's like that situation. You had us going down and I hear this little girl crying and I'm like, what's going on? Who's crying? Because everything down here should be dead. Everything there should be dead. Because we have been living above this place for thousands of years. Yep. And all of a sudden, we hear this crying of a little child. Nobody should be there. And then my character is like, oh, somebody needs saving. <laughs> and she goes running off. And the monk was like, what are you doing? And she's like, someone needs my help. And the entire time, he's like, it's a trap. And he's <laughs> trying to explain that to you. And you're just like, no, I have to make the right decision. I'm yeah. And she's like, no, no, no. There's a crying child. I need to save her. And he's just like, you're going to die. And she's like, I will die saving a child. Praise the reports. And then after we save this little girl, you put us through this whole emotional roller coaster, okay? Of going through the freaking mausoleum, if you will, this graveyard underground city, going to the bank, finding out that, you know, there were bones of a, of a chimera in there. Mm -hmm. And that was basically a guard dog. That was a guard dog, and this building had collapsed, and the only exit was collapsed because the, 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 the actual vault was locked. So he couldn't get out his exit. He literally starved to death and I was dying on the inside. And then, you know, you're sitting here telling us about the girl and she's like, yeah, you know, these people try to get me to drink something. And I said, no. So I ran away and then I got tired and then I woke up and I was like, no, what are you talking about? This is horrible. You just killed a little girl <laughs> in a dungeon. <laughs> but, but you released her soul. I, well, yeah, we released her soul, but, you know, at she the cost dead. of my <laughs> emotional well-being. <laughs> well <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I like doing things that are very much, you know, there there are certain aspects where there's horror and stuff thrown in, but I, I really enjoy settings where kind of, number one, it's a survival scenario. It's a post-apocalyptic. Mm -hmm. God, I hate good barrier in those scenarios because it's like... Oh, you're going to starve to death. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a pain in the butt to deal with. Um, but making it so you have to go find a holly berry and stuff and stuff wouldn't be that bad. Mm -hmm. Because then you still have to find the berries. Um, but yeah, no, it was... I liked having suspenseful scenarios inside of adventure scenarios. Or horror scenarios inside of adventure scenarios. I'm not the kind of person who could pull... A 100% all the time horror scenario off because I just don't have the hmm 
I don't say acting skill, but like the emotional ability to stay serious and dour as mm-hmm. a DM the entire time. So yeah, no, that that's a thing. It's difficult for me because you know I can do that. Oh yeah, I can play horror stories 24 7 i love scary movies i cannot play a scary video game to save my life because you saw when i play resident evil and that thing popped out and i threw the control like that that that's my level of scaredy cat but i can string together a horror story like nobody's business but but i cannot do emotions yeah, the emotional tearjerkers. I can't do that because you're so you're so you know serious all the time, and then when you finally have to act it out and let that wall down, you're gonna be crying. I will cry because of this situation. Or what was difficult for me too with the players. All of you guys are comfortable with each other. Like Michael's now getting like you know very comfortable with Aaron and Ryan, but. All of you guys together are, you know, pretty much the three stooges, if you will. We're not that Four, bad. you know, you're, you know, the four musketeers, the three amigos plus one kind of thing. Like, you guys are just ridiculous. And no matter how horrifying of a situation I put you guys in. We somehow make a joke You out of it. find a way to just... <laughs> Like you, Uh, you literally just, you find a way to just be the light in the darkness. And I, I love it, but I hate it at the same time. So like, I'm trying to build dread here. You love it. Me as a person. Yes. I love it. You hate it as a player. As a player. Cause I'm like, stop. I I, I want you to be afraid. And you're just like, look at this. And you're just like playing with, you know, some like, I don't know, like a bust or something putting on a funny hat because you have a hat that changes and you keep changing it or whatever. And everybody else will find it funny. Or where we're going through that giant fight and I decided, you're like, what is it? I decided to play Tenacious D. Yeah. Well, just you, like, you, you did that at the end though. That yeah. was at the end, your song of rest, you played Tenacious D. You guys just had this horrible battle. I mean, you guys could have died. Because Michael wasn't there that session, so you know I wasn't going to run his character, and still upset about that. You guys were literally just sitting there at the end of this, could have died, and you're like, "Hey, I'm going to play a song," and you start playing Tenacious D, or no, uh, your sword, your sword of chance. Oh my god! It kept turning it into farm animals, and I was like. Why? Why a farm animal? Like, I mean, it could have turned into a giant spider or something, but no, he turned into a farm animal, and there we go. Just humor. Um, but yeah, so we're going to go on to the next question. Uh, what are your strengths and weaknesses as a player and a DM? My strengths as a player? My strengths and my weakness is the same thing. Uh that ADHD tendency mm-hmm. where I can't focus Yeah. at the same time the things that I can focus on like you're hyper focused I hyper focus I, I out of nowhere you'll have a situation and then I'll you'll be like I, I don't know how to roll this or I don't know if we can do it this way and or I'm just like 
oh, the rule book says this mm-hmm. because I've looked, I just, I started reading and I basically memorized the books. Mm-hmm. And that's also a weakness because, you know, obviously the distraction. Mm-hmm. And I really like homebrew monsters because of the fact that my mind kind of absorb this information Mm -hmm. and so I have a basic gist of what every monster can do and what a certain situation calls for and how to get out of this Mm -hmm. and it's very hard to to not metagame it's very hard to not metagame like yeah and then the other thing is and that's another thing I, I hate people using their phones like I don't I don't mind it like they have their character sheet and stuff but you can tell when someone is looking stuff up on the internet. Yeah. And whenever I see that, I'm like, and now it has multi-attack. Mm-hmm. And the save just went up five points. Mm-hmm. And go ahead and keep looking it up. It's just going to get worse. Yeah. Because it's it's very annoying. Um, as a DM, obviously, that same thing of knowledge. Uh, but I think, as a DM, my biggest weakness is I'm really good at coming up with things on the fly. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great strength of mine. You're, you're very good at improv. I'm horrible at... Planning. Planning. Because <laughs> I just feel like there's no point in it. Alright, so how do you feel about alignment? That's another thing. Okay, the alignment, the whole idea of alignment frustrates me because I'm a very philosophical person Mm -hmm. and I understand that yes there are some things that are horribly evil like from our standpoints but could be completely normal from other standpoints Mm -hmm. like the whole concept of cannibalism God, I know you were going to go with that. <laughs> a lawful good, like a lawful good paladin, in most societies is going to look at cannibalism as this horrible, heinous evil. Mm-hmm. And yet there could be some societies where... Cannibalism is common. It's Cannibalism is common. I mean, what if they live in, in a place where, you know, food is extremely scarce? Mm-hmm. Or, and like over time, part of the religion, it became the norm to eat the dead and in their idea it's passing on you know their knowledge or their strength yeah you know you know imbuing it to the rest of the 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 group or the tribe Mm -hmm. and that makes me look at the alignment chart as kind of a i don't i i understand the the need for it but i don't think it's the tell-all be-all end-all for how things should be represented Mm -hmm. because you could have a what i like to call natural evil character or you know which would probably be neutral evil on the alignment that normally is might make evil actions like be uh, i think you called it pragmatic evil yeah they might make actions or decisions that people are going to look at as you're you're horrible. You're a horrible person. But if you look at it from their perspective, 
it might actually make sense why they did what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of let alignment be like a floating variable. I say, yeah, I, I say it, to me, alignment is on a sliding scale. Yeah. Because I feel everybody starts at true neutral. And your your actions with your character Your build. actions, you know, the way it interacts with the world, the way the world interacts with your character can alter it. Like, your character Fickle. To me, Fickle was, in my eyes, neutral good. Mm-hmm. And she's just a generally good person because of the way that she was raised by the Fae and by the wolves. But now that she's interacting with the world it's affecting her it's affecting her mentality and her view on life and i feel as the dm you know i'm i'm witnessing this character you know realizing like hey the world's not as great as i thought it was you know mm-hmm. people staying pe- home people probably would have been the better yeah. option and the other thing <laughs> is is like kind of like with her character the whole cannibalism thing she doesn't see eating people as wrong mm-hmm. because she doesn't really see herself as a person. Yeah. She just, you know, sees everybody as basically another kind of animal. Mm-hmm. And that kind of falls into that whole pragmatic evil where people might see her as evil because mm-hmm. in a scenario where everyone's starving to death and stuff, she wouldn't think twice about eating the person who was weakest because that's how you're going to survive. And everyone else would look at her and go, what a horrible person when she's actually like one of the nicest people you could meet. Yeah. She goes out of her way to help people. But mm-hmm. at the same time, she makes these animalistic decisions that people would look at as morally ambiguous. Yes. She's very, she's morally ambiguous. That is a very good way to say it. She is she, because she wasn't raised with civilizations views on morality. Mm hmm. Her, her morality is based on her growing up in the wild and her interactions with spirits, the fae, the wolves. And you have to think her mentality is going to be completely different than what a regular person's would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't agree with alignment. Just at all? At all. I don't just because you're putting somebody in a box at that point. And, you know, it's like, like how I said earlier, you know, I am for all intents and purposes, a chaotic, neutral, chaotic, evil person. Mm-hmm. And everybody like, you know, especially if I'm making a character, everybody automatically assumes I'm playing chaotic, neutral. I could be playing a lawful good character, but everybody assumes I'm playing chaotic, neutral just because of your personality. my personality. Yeah. And, and that's that pragmatic evil thing coming yeah, out. Yeah, you know, and everybody just kind of sees me as this, in this box, you know. So if I'm playing a character, like, I want my character to be, I guess you could say, affected by the world. Like, in Ian's campaign with Granny. Granny was a neutral good character. She's oh. old. She has lived her life. You know, she has adventured and the adventure did not go as well as she had hoped. She basically lost everyone but her husband. Yeah, and they settled you know, she, down. she retired, she got married, and that was literally her, I guess you could say, like her first and only actual adventure. Like she didn't, she didn't even become like a level two adventurer at that point. 
she was so far down the adventuring pool that she would be considered a beginner. And then at the end, she still ended up you well, know, retiring, becoming a farmer, and then yeah. going back into it after, after her, her husband, husband died. died and she her was kids like, moved on. Yeah, her kids moved on. She was like, well, I mean, I guess it's time for me to finally do this thing. She meets the whole party, and everybody has just been hostile towards one another. And Granny doesn't like that. Granny's just sitting here wondering, like, why are you all being so mean to each other? We don't even know each other, and you're treating each other horribly. Well, th- there's there's also a specific character in that scenario that always seems to bring up animosity between everyone. That's true. But, you know, barring that, it's literally just, you know, Granny had no, no faith in you guys hmm. anymore. Yeah. And when we were put in that situation, you know, where we had to choose between the goddess of good or the god of chaos, she chose chaos because... Everyone seemed to have been against her. Especially, especially right up until that end point. Exactly. She had, they, she, her opinions and stuff on things were ignored. They were ignored. Even though she was technically the elder. She was the elder and... Most of the stuff that she said made sense. Hey, we should do this because this would be logical. You should do this because this, oh, well, we're not, you know, whatever. We're going to do something else. And so Granny just said, all right, screw it. Nobody wants to listen to my opinion. You all want me to do some, you know, sneaky ranger stuff for you and drive the cart and that's it. But aside from that, I'm useless. No. And so Granny pretty much just said, screw it. I'm just going to be evil. And it was the actions of everybody around her and the way she felt. Nobody apologized. Nobody tried to make things better. And the final straw was the situation where uh, we had killed the chaos agents. And Granny went to go get the swords. And then everyone turned on you. And everybody turned on her because she wanted to see what the swords did. And she specifically asked one of the characters, if anything bad happens, please kill me. I don't want to hurt you guys. She asked that, but she wanted to see what was going to happen because she didn't want somebody else grabbing the sword and possibly getting hurt. And then literally by you doing that, you ended up, one of the characters ended up basically ostracizing you from the group. Exactly. And then that, I, I could see that literally being the final straw that was like... Yeah, Granny just said, you know what, fine. Like, nothing had, nothing was wrong. Granny beat this curse. She was fine. She, she was, was the, still Granny. She was Granny. the most powerful person on the team at that exactly. point. <laughs> she was powerful, but she was perfectly fine. There was nothing wrong with her. The other person could not detect evil from Granny. They only detected it from the swords. But Granny was fine. Granny was still Granny, and everybody still treated her like an outsider and it just made it worse now that she was carrying these swords and then the other character who had now had a new carriage straight up told her you're not getting in my carriage yeah i remember that and at that point it's like i don't even know you mister you just showed up in our group yesterday and now you're telling me that i can't ride in your cart because I have swords on my back that you don't like. And, and then and then everyone else in the group decided to ride in the carriage anyway. Yeah, everybody then, rode. Yeah, is, that's why you ended up riding the horse. No, I ended up getting um, praline. 
the the, the bumble wolf or whatever it was. Yes. Because oh. I had lost a nugget, my chicken, and I still cannot believe he killed himself. That was hilarious. But yeah, I I got nugget, and because I had the chicken. And he died. I didn't have another familiar for what, like two or three sessions, I think it was. And then also not of. And so I talked to the DM and he was like, hey, roll. And so I rolled while everybody else was doing their thing, you know, ignoring granny. So I rolled and I ended up getting this like super powerful, magical creature. And everybody assumed that this creature was out to kill us. And then it came up to you, which and is it like, came hey, how's up it going? To me, it was like, oh, hey. And I was like, all right, fine. So I got on it and I left. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not dealing with you guys because everybody treated her like she was a pariah. And then she got her new uh, familiar. And everybody, everybody treated the familiar like it was evil. And it's like, Granny at that point was just like, I don't know what to do to I mean, make you gonna, guys trust me. If you're going to judge me as evil, then I'm evil. Yeah, so when we had that option of choosing good or bad, Granny was hurt. Like, because you guys had actually, and I, I love that the DM did this though, that he isolated me from you guys. He put me in a different voice chat. And so I was alone. And we had this entire scenario, and I was crying. But we don't know that. You guys don't know that. So, so, so we don't know that it actually hurt Granny to do the things that she did. It hurt her because she didn't want to, but she was so affected by what you all did to her in the short amount of time that she's known you that she wanted to take her revenge on you guys because she, her heart literally was being pretty much absorbed by darkness. If somebody had just, I guess you could say, held their hand out and was like, hey, it's cool. Are you, you know, I'm sorry. She might not have, you know, gone Maybe, evil. Yeah. She, you know, she wouldn't have gone Anakin. You know, you know, the fact that, you know, we don't know. As I said, Bao, like the character I'm playing, like being the character he is, he's literally going to probably give you like the one chance. Mm-hmm. And if you don't take the chance, he because of what you did to his family mm-hmm. he's gonna rip you to shreds like he might die in the process but you know the character as he is it, it's kind of a facet of my own yeah. where it doesn't matter if i win or lose i want to make sure that you're never the same again mm-hmm. so but that that's the thing like granny is absorbed by this darkness by chaos like she's still herself you know, she's just now an agent of chaos. She's a champion for chaos. But it's, I know, like, just me, like, if, if I had to play her, I would be hurting to do this. I would, like, it, it would hurt me, the player, to do this because I have gone through this journey with you guys and I have a new character now and I have Mercy. And has, has he asked, has the DM asked for your input on how... He would, you know, she would react to this scenario. This all this was going down. Uh, initially, yeah, like during the whole situation. I, I wonder if he's gonna put that into the character where she still feels conflicted, or if she's just gonna be, you know, completely consumed and evil. I, I, mean, I think it would be better for character development for everybody if it was like we come across her and you can still tell that she's struggling with mm-hmm. her her choice. 
I mean, and you also got, you guys do have to kill her, though, because she does have a coin. I mean, if we can maybe change her mind again, I mean, we'd have to roll stupid high, probably. Probably. But there's still a chance. Her stats are ridiculous now. I know. I'm not even... I know. (laughs) You guys tried to fight her, and it was, what, five against me? Yeah. And I was, like, molly-whopping your butts, like, nope, sorry, no, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty crazy. And you guys are all, what, level... Nine, eight or nine, I think it was. I think at the time we were level six. Yeah, we were level six at that time. Now, after we've returned, yeah, because we're level he, he nine. gave us uh, three levels after that. Yeah, because he said it's it's like this because we got like the gifts from the the goddess. Yeah, it's like this big jump. Mm-hmm. And now we're you know basically trying to save a town, destroy save, chaos, destroy chaos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so back to the alignment. Um, so we already discussed that, you know, alignment to us is more like on a sliding scale. Uh, do you prefer to have a specific alignment for a character? Like when you build your character, do you automatically go for chaotic neutral, chaotic good, true neutral? Uh, like, like building your character based off off of your... No, I do the, I do the opposite. I give them... An alignment at the very end just to put them in a some sort of corner where they might be starting but or like starting that game but when I originally build characters an idea comes out of, out of nowhere and I feel that the same as you said it puts them in a box it restricts their it kind of restricts them to mm-hmm. they would have made these decisions or these decisions mm-hmm. and I find it frustrating to basically build in a box I would much rather build the character and at the end literally put neutral because they don't know where to, I don't know where to put them mm-hmm. than build a character who's chaotic neutral and literally have to build in the chaotic neutral box. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can basically build whatever you want, but I like having background, you know, your background and your character develop, you know, through his story than through what his alignment could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, with me, uh, I guess you could say I'm kind of actually the opposite. Um, I like to build my character, I wouldn't say based solely around their alignment, but more or less like I kind of have a gist of, I try to, I try to pick at least two alignments. And I try to decide which alignment would better suit the backstory that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like if I decide, okay, well, chaotic neutral again is my go-to. Chaotic neutral to me, it's more like just your general human being. I'm self-serving for myself. If I need to help you, cool. I'm not going to hurt you purposefully, but I'm but, not going to purposely try to help you either. Yeah. You know, what 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 do I get out of it? Yeah, basically. like a chaotic neutral person is literally just to me a normal person. But sometimes, you know, since I'm always going for chaotic neutral, I'm like, hey, well, you know what? Neutral good might be a good idea, just because I know. Yes, I am in this neutral realm, but I'm still leaning more towards. A good-natured person you know yes I'm a farmer and I'll give you a good deal on you know six eggs 
but I still need to make money because how am I going to, you know, take care of myself? So at the end of the day, you view chaotic neutral as more like... The price is the price. So, yeah. And then if you are more towards the good corner... I might cut you a deal for friends. Okay. If you're a friend of a friend, I'll consider it. But I don't really have any sort of leaning towards you. What would you say your alignment is? Me? As a person. Chaotic neutral. What would mine be? I would. You're more chaotic good. Yeah, I think I have a, I have a bad tendency of holding my hand out when I shouldn't. I wouldn't even say chaotic. I think you're more neutral good just because you, you, you kind of put people in a box. And you don't know how to react to somebody until you get to know them a little bit. As I said, because I'm, I, I can't read people. Yeah, because you, you can't. So I'm empathetic you, you kind naturally, of just remain, but I can't read their read them. Yeah, like if you, you just kind of remain or... in a neutral area with with strangers until you get to talk to them, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, this person seems nice. You know, I can be nice to them. <laughs> and then if that person, but you kind of just like tiptoe closer to, okay, I'll be nice. But then if they do something bad, you can tiptoe back to being neutral if it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. But then if it's really bad, you start tipping towards evil because it's like, I, I don't like of, what you did. I don't like what you did. I'm going to go out of my way to... <laughs> yeah, you know, to, to be mean to, to you. To make your, your your day bad. But then again, that's also like an alter, alternate side of my personality. So. True. Um, but yeah. Uh, that was actually the last question. What alignment are you? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, know. you're good. You're good. Um, and then... If you lived in the world of D&D, what do you think your race and class would be? Human fighter. (laughs) (laughs) What's the most basic of basics? Um, God, I don't know. If I had to make a choice with the way we collect animals, I'm going to maybe say Beastmaster Ranger, I don't know. (laughs) But if I had to make a choice... I would probably be Is it what I want to be? What what would you be if if, if like you Like if I had the choice. If I had the choice. If you woke up in an anime, you know, like a typical anime manga I'm the main character. No, you're a main character, and oh my this God, is your my, story. My parents are dead. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, your parents Ugh. died in some mysterious accident, or your father just went to go get cigarettes and never returned, and now you're on this quest to find him. What would you be? Like? Well, I can tell you, if he went to get cigarettes and never returned, then I think I know where he's at. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, can I multi-class? <laughs> mm, no. No, you start no multi-class? Off. You're it. level one adventurer. Level one adventurer. I got to pick one level, one level one. Mm, that, is, that is super hard to just pick one. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I think my... If it was literally me... It would have to be probably Artificer, just because I'm known for tinkering with stuff. I would have said Bard. And I was about to say, <laughs> but, but, 
I would probably have to choose Bard because of who I am. You don't have to choose No, no, it. no, as a person. I'm saying like who I am as a person, mm -hmm. I would probably have to choose Bard, especially level one. Because mm -hmm. Artificer involves, you know, being knowledgeable about stuff, which I am, but I think I got to that by reading stories and yeah. collecting knowledge through books and all that. So you would be a Bard and then you would multi-class into an Artificer? I don't think I would ever get past level five in any class. Because if you think about who we, who I am with between animals and being an artificer and, you know, combat experiences, stuff like that, I don't know where I would end up, but I would, I would definitely have to try would to. Would you just become mediocre? I would be mediocre. <laughs> yes. I don't know. A mediocre. Whenever I whenever I envision him, though, is just somebody who's a generalist, good at everything. Yeah, it's a jack of all trade bard. Yeah, he. Yeah, I mean, he he was wasn't envisioned as a bard, but I mean, he it would probably work. But yeah, I'm, I, I guess I'm, I would have to choose bard, and by choice. I can't pick a race. I'm trying to pick one off the top of my head. I wouldn't pick Tabaxi, which is strange. But you love cats. I love the I love cats, but I wouldn't pick Tabaxi. I would. It would probably be Elf. It would probably be Elf, just because the fact they live so long, they mm -hmm. can collect so much knowledge. True. Um. So yeah, I guess I guess I'm going with Elf Bard and. I mean, it isn't going to take very many levels until I instantly start multi-classing into other things. <laughs> I wish I could say rogue, but no. No, you're not. You're not sneaky enough. Yeah. Um, let's see. For me, I would have to say generic human. I wanted to say that just as almost a joke because it's like you're human anyway. Yeah, we're human anyway, human. so. But no, like, I, I don't know. I'm just thinking like. By choice. By choice. I, I think I would just be a human just because I don't see myself. I can't picture myself as like any one race. Like I love cats. So obviously I would choose Tabaxi because I love cats. You could be Sweet Roll. I could be Sweet Roll, but she's good. That's the thing. And you're not. And I'm not good. Ooh, that, is, that makes it hard. You know, and then I was thinking possibly an elf, but I don't want to live that long. Yeah, I know. That's like the opposite. Like, what are the opposites on that? I'm like, oh, I could collect so much knowledge and know all this stuff about the world. And you're like, but do I really want to live for thousands of years? That sounds horrible. Yeah, I mean, to me, I just can't picture it. And then I'm thinking... A drow, but I mean that still applies to an elf, and then also drow spiders. No, thank you. I'm terrified of spiders, and you know that. I am like deathly afraid of them. So I just can't imagine, you know, being in a place full of spiders in the dark because I'm scared of the dark. I'm that person that will mentally sabotage myself when I go to get a drink in the middle of the night and I don't turn the lights on. I'm like, ooh, imagine if there was somebody standing there watching you in the dark corner. And I'm like, why would I do this to myself? And then I run away and I forget my drink. And I'm like, you know what? Screw the drink. Whoever's out there can have it. But yeah, so I think just generic human, not variant, 
just a standard human because I get a plus one to everything. I wasn't even thinking about the pluses. I was just thinking about no. I, I would just get a plus one to everything. So hopefully, you know, if I lived in this world, like I wouldn't be. I, I wouldn't have air quotes bad roles. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like I would just have a simple stat range. You know, I would be somewhat dexterous, somewhat, you know, have decent strength, decent intelligence. I just want to be generic gym. Generic gym. I just want to be so basic that you would just pass me in the street and you would not notice me. You, you... And as for a class, oh, no. I, again, it's kind of going back to the earlier segment when we were talking about uh, like our go-to classes and it's wizard for me. Yeah. I, I love knowledge. I love knowledge. And I mean, just imagine like actually being able to cast spells. I mean, and I, I was that kid. I love school. I don't want to be the warlock, you know, who has to sell my soul or whatever, you know, to get a patron. I don't want to, you know, be the, the sorcerer who was born with this power. I want to, to earn it. You know, I want to go to school and learn how to do these. Because to me, it's the gratification of... Hey, I learned how to cast light. I know that is basic and everybody can do it, but I learned how to do it too. You know, I learned how to cast fireball. Like, hello. That, that's like every wizard's number one spell, just like every warlock's eldritch blast. It's, it's something that you just need to, to know. Or you're not really, you know, the class that you say you are. You're not a wizard if you don't, if you can't cast fireball. I actually like when people choose classes and and they don't pick the standard. Well, like, the, like if like if a warlock, if a warlock did not do eldritch blast, I would be so confused. I played a warlock. Was it? I think it was like for one or two sessions because I ended up dying like horribly. But don't I, tell me you didn't have eldritch blast. I did not have. I did not. I did not have eldritch blast. I didn't have it and that's I died. Be, that's because you, you chose not to do the stereotypical thing. Because You're I like, chose not to do it. And so I died. And then I was like, maybe I should have had Eldritch Blast. But yeah, like I think for me, I would have been a human wizard. Just your basic run-of-the-mill person who's just kind of learning and probably run an apothecary or something, you know. I just run a little healing shop or a school you know teach kids basic magic you know my sister i'm thinking about now she would be a human druid your sister would be she would be path the shepherd human druid she would be with her four million animals (laughs) (laughs) i love her to death but that that's that's literally what i'm envisioning right now um yeah so that's all the questions no okay uh so thank you everybody for tuning in yeah, thanks thanks very much for tuning in. And uh we'll catch you in the next episode. Yeah. Bye.